Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. So there is no guest today, it's just me in the studio and today's episode is going to be all about geospatial side hustles. So the inspiration for this episode came from a post that I saw on Reddit recently and it was somebody saying that, hey, I'm in this government job in this small town and, and my career has stagnated. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Should I look for another job? Should I stay here? I'm deeply unhappy and I'm bored in my work. And this really resonated with me. This is the same situation that I was in a few years back. And I was faced with that decision. Do I just take all of my experience and my formal education that I have in the field of geospatial and throw it out the window and start again? Well, what do I do? I was completely lost. I felt like I could look 30 years, 40 years out into the future, I knew exactly what my what my day job would look like. And I, frankly, I couldn't face it. it. It got to the point where I, I, was, I was starting to suffer from, from stress because of this. So th- this feeling of stagnation in my career was compounded by a couple of different events. So the first one, my, my wife and I, we found my father-in-law lying face down on a forest road. He'd been there for two days. He, he died suddenly of a heart attack. It was, it was devastating. About the same time, my father was diagnosed with a, a terminal disease. So I was deeply unhappy and frustrated at work. And I had these two sort of life-changing events that make you really sort of look at yourself. Where, you know, what is it that I'm doing here? Where am I going? And about this time, I started listening to podcasts. I started listening to podcasts because I wanted, I was looking for some inspiration. I was looking for uh, an opportunity. I was looking for stories for, of people that had been in similar situations and had found something else, had made it to the other side. So I couldn't fix the situation with my father-in-law. I, I couldn't heal my father, but I could do something about my career, the way I thought about it and the opportunities that I had. I, I didn't want to be a victim of it. I wanted to, I wanted to be proactive, to make a decision, to move in a direction. I had certainty around the fact that I didn't want to be where I was, trading that certainty for, of something that's not working for the uncertainty of something that might work, that seemed like a really good deal. So I started listening to podcasts about side hustles. People just like me that were you know, creating their own businesses, that they were doing it online, that they'd found a way to, to earn money without sort of showing up at their nine to five job. I found the, this, this fascinating. So this episode is all about geospatial side hustles. It's seen totally from my perspective and I am not naive enough to think that I have found the perfect side hustle for you. My hope with this episode is to give you some ideas, talk about some opportunities. Not thinking that I'll find the right opportunity for you, but thinking that if I can help you get better at seeing these opportunities, at being curious about how things work, then I hope that you'll start seeing more of these opportunities and and perhaps you'll find your own opportunity, something that you are interested in doing. So these side hustles that I'm gonna talk about in just a minute, none of them involve a a VC funding round. You don't need huge amounts of startup capital. The idea here is to present you with some ideas that you could do tomorrow. Ideas that that are low risk. Ideas that if you try them and they don't work, then you you get to try again. So I realize this episode is a little bit different. It might not be what you signed up for, but, but I really hope that you find it valuable anyway. So the first side hustle I want to talk about is selling maps online. So this seems like a really obvious place to start for people that people like us, for, for geospatial professionals. Lots of us are involved in, in making maps, visualizing geospatial data in some way, shape or form. So 
selling maps on, online should be a great place to start. So it, when you first think about this, it, thinks, it sounds impossible. Oh no, I have to make my own website and I have to find a printer. I have to figure out what's working, what, what's not going to work, the sizing, the options, the kind of maps that, that I'm going to make. And I think you could probably fast forward this process a little bit if you're interested in, in trying this out for yourself. There's a website called Etsy. So E-T-S-Y dot com. So what is Etsy? Well, Etsy is a global online marketplace where you can set up your own shop and basically sell your products to an, an existing communities. So this is a, a community of people that are looking for unique gifts. They're looking for unique things to buy. And the reason why I think Etsy is a great place to start is because you can get a lot of ideas from Etsy. So if you go into Etsy and just start typing in some keywords, let's say you're going to type in map, for example, wall map, that kind of thing, um, map, of, map of Australia, map of New Zealand. And Etsy will start giving you a whole bunch of options. And what you'll get an idea for is, is what's working, what's selling. And the way you'll get that idea is each individual shop on Etsy gives you a whole bunch of information. They might tell you about the sales numbers. So how many sales that shop has made in total. So this will give you an idea of how popular things are. There's a bunch of re reviews. So Etsy does a really good job of trying to collect reviews on each purchase made. So you can go on and see what did people like about it? What didn't they like about the, the thing that they brought? You also get an idea of the kinds of colors people are using, the, the dimensions that are selling well, and of course the price. What are people selling their artwork for, their maps for? And this is all really, really valuable information. It'll give you an idea of what's working and what's not working. And from that, hopefully you'll be able to make some assumptions about perhaps where you should be investing your time and maybe what you should charge, maybe what you should be focusing on. So if we stay with the Etsy example just for a second here, there's a shop on Etsy called Earth Art Australia. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. And this is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's amazing for a lot of different reasons. Firstly, it's amazing because it's so simple. So there's a, a lot of the different maps that are being sold here are black and white maps of roads or buildings or waterways. There's a series of maps called Topo Lines. And it looks like joy plots made based on elevation data for, for different countries in the world, different states in the US, that kind of thing. And what I think is amazing about this is that it's so repeatable. So you can find a recipe that works for New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the US, and just apply it to every country in the world. You can do the same thing with, with roads, with buildings. And another amazing thing about this particular shop is that a lot of the products here are digital downloads. So there's no shipping involved. It's a simple PDF file that you're buying. And I think a lot of us in the geospatial industry might see a shop like this, might see someone who's doing something like this and go, who is going to buy that? This is unremarkable. This is never going to sell. No one's going to be interested in this because anyone can do this thing, right? Well, wrong. And I think this is the point where we can't overthink things. We're not making these products for people like us. We're making it for the others. And if you go along to Earth Art Australia, you can see here that... Some really big names have found this incredibly interesting and have linked to it. They think that this is remarkable. Check out these names. Mashable, Gizmodo, The Independent, BuzzFeed, Space.com, The Wall Street Journal, Lonely Planet, and Yahoo. So this little shop here on Etsy has been featured on all these big media outlets because it's remarkable. But to us, people in the geospatial industry, we might look at this and go, what? I mean, I could do that. Who's going to buy this? But I think this is proof that we don't need to overthink things too much and that possibly when we do something like this, we're not making it for people like us. We need to have empathy for the people that we're 
seeking to serve? Who are we making this for? If we're making it for people like us, people that think they can do this themselves, maybe that's not a good choice. Maybe we should focus on making something for somebody else. Okay, so, so let's pretend for a second that you really want to try selling your own artistic work online. You think Etsy is a great place to start, but you're not that excited about digital downloads. Maybe you're, maybe you're afraid of somebody stealing your work and creating, just buying everything that you have for a couple of dollars and setting up their own shop down the road and using that as the, the base print files. So perhaps you want to print these yourself, but it's overwhelming, the idea of finding a printer and testing the products and, and all the shipping and packaging and, and all that side of things. Well, there's good news. We don't do any of that for mapscaping. So when we started our store, we, we did it at the start. We, we printed off the products ourselves, the maps ourselves. But what we discovered was something called print on demand. So we could hook our shop, our shopper, our website is built on a platform called Shopify, but this will work for Etsy as well. And you can basically hook your shop up to something, a print-on-demand service. So in our particular case, we use a company called Printful, and we simply upload all our print files to Printful and connect Printful to our Shopify website. And you'll be able to do this with pretty much whatever website you're working from. What that means is when somebody comes in and buys a map of New Zealand, buys a map of Australia, buys a map of Canada, that is automatically fulfilled through Printful. We never see it, never touch it. And this is a game changer. Of course, you pay for this, but the point is here that all of a sudden you have this machine that can just work. I mean, it's a whole different story when we think about driving traffic and marketing, that this is a different side of it. But what I'm hoping to show you here is that it's possible to do this. You have the means of production. And by connecting these different systems and thinking about this in a different way, then hopefully you'll start to see some possibilities. I think, too, the exciting thing is once you have a design that works, and let's say, again, you're using a print-on-demand service like Printful, you can apply that design to a bunch of different products. Now, in my opinion, anyway, not all of these products are of the best quality, but the point is that it's possible. And you've probably seen this on platforms like Rebubble or, or Zazzle. I, I think the point with a Etsy store is, or with a Shopify shop, or another website, that you have an opportunity to, to brand this, to put your own identity into it. And I think that's really, really important when you think about the long-term future of, of selling online. So the next side hustle I want to talk about is content creation. So as a podcaster, this is near and dear to my heart. And you might be thinking, why would anyone pay me to create geospatial content? Why, why could this, how could this possibly be a side hustle? So my own experience with looking for writers to help me create show notes for this podcast, I mean, I can tell you this is incredibly difficult. And yes, you need to be a geospatial person to have any chance of helping me create show notes for this podcast. You would think that anyone could ju just listen to this podcast and say, okay, pick out the key bits here, elaborate a little bit on them and, and make something that, you know, a thousand words, 1500 words that's readable. I have tried and it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to find people that can help me with this because most people, most writers on the different freelancing platforms that I use anyway, don't have a geospatial background. So if you do and you enjoy writing, there is a huge opportunity here. So your dream might not be to create show notes for this podcast, but think about every other geospatial company out there, organization out there. Content is king. We hear this in the marketing world all the time and all of these companies, organizations are hungry for content. Why? because it gives them an opportunity to rank in organic search, to be found, to be discovered. It also gives them an opportunity or an excuse to reach out to people. Think about the email newsletters that they have to produce on a regular basis. Think about 
the, the social media content that is required for them to be relevant. It's a huge content machine that they need to have in order to be relevant, in order to be found, in order to be engaging. And I think if you enjoy writing or creating content in any, in any form, I, I think there's a real opportunity here. So we talked about writers. Uh, I, th- I see the same thing for video creators. Go to YouTube, which is the second biggest search engine in the world. And I am pretty sure that your favorite geospatial company organization is doing a really, really poor job of utilizing it. If you enjoy video creation, can you help them? Can you take content that they already have and do something different with it? And yes, again, as a geospatial professional, someone involved in the industry, someone who has a background in in spatial, you have a massive advantage here because you know what bits are going to resonate with people. You understand which bits are important, which bits should be left in and which bits should be taken out. And this is incredibly hard to find and, and this is the thing that's going to make your video content stand out amongst others. I talked briefly about social media before in terms of content creation. If you enjoy cartography, making maps, visualizing data, why not go to one of these data companies, perhaps someone you're already engaged with, and say, hey, I I can help you make this. I can help you create engaging content that you can post on your social media, and I can do it on a regular basis. So I think it's super important for these kinds of things that that there's a a consistency around it. So I have had the privilege of working with uh, two companies here, uh, Safegraph and regrid both of which have sponsored this podcast at different times and you know these are data companies but you go to the website and it's difficult sometimes to get an understanding of of what they actually do and i look at the social media content that they post it's you know it's not as visual as perhaps what it could be and and i don't mean to hang these companies out here but I, i see this as being a real opportunity why not go to companies like this and say hey i mean i understand the kinds of dimensions that social media is looking for. I understand what it is that's going to resonate with people. I have a background in cartography and in, in data analytics. I can set up some processes that'll run over different geographic areas and, and produce different maps for you, different visualizations for you. And I can produce these in formats that will that fit with social media. I can create a small story around them and I can produce it on a regular basis. So I haven't tried this before, but I know from my dealings with companies in this space and from my own experience with social media that content great content is expensive it's difficult to create and generally organizations would like to outsource this as much as possible if you can create some sort of system around this i I think it's a real opportunity and i think too when we think about content creation for example these kinds of services it's really inspiring to perhaps go back and listen to some of the other podcast episodes uh, i've published around people that have been self-employed And the inspirational thing about a lot of their stories is that you don't need everyone. So most of the people that I've interviewed around this topic of self-employment in the geospatial world, five, six, 10, 12 customers, that's it. They don't need everybody to believe in what they're doing or to buy into them as a person, as a business. They only need 12, six, 10 people maybe. While we're on the subject of content creation, I want to talk about web applications. And I think some web, web applications, anyway, some web map applications are amazing evergreen content. And let me try and explain why. So I'm going to give you an example in just a minute of a couple of my, my favorite sites. And I, I think they're incredible. But think about the problems that these sites are solving. So I absolutely love the, the, this web example, this web application. It's, if you go to gps-coordinates.net. So, so what you'll find there is a bunch of online tools. Uh, we've got coordinates so we can find any address 
from its longitude and latitude. So basically we've got a bit of geocoding going on here and we've got a bit of uh, conversion between degrees, minutes, seconds to, to an address, for example. We've got a few other things. We've got my location. What happens in my location? My location, it simply shows you where you are on a map. Google Maps, directions. We've got a converter, so we're converting between GPS points. We've got a distance tool, so how far is the first location from the second location, and a radius tool. And what I hope you understand here is that this is a pretty simple web application. So when you think about the kinds of, of GIS web applications we're used to seeing, and the kinds of complex processes we in the industry are used to chaining together and delivering via the, via the internet, you have to say that this is kind of simple. So again, the, the URL for this is gps-coordinates.net. So why is this exciting? So I use a tool called Ahrefs, and this simply just, just lets me spy on other websites, essentially. So this gives me an idea of how much traffic other websites are getting and the domain ranking the kinds of keywords that a website is ranking for, the kinds of top pages a website has. And if I go into this tool, and this tool is famous for underestimating, like dramatically underestimating traffic. So let's look at gps-coordinates.net. And if I look at the organic monthly traffic, it is around 424,000 visits a month. And again, so this tool is famous for underestimating the traffic. I would imagine that this is probably much closer to a million visits a month. One million organic visits a month. How is this website monetized? Why is this interesting? So I have an ad blocker on my web browser. I'm sure a lot of you do too. If I take that off, I see there's display ads on the website. So let's say that this website is getting that around, let's play it real safe here and say half a million visitors a month, organic visitors a month. It's got a couple of display ads on each page. If I go to something called Worth of Web, so this is a website which, which claims to be able to sort of estimate the value of, of websites. So if you're going to buy the website, and it also attempts to make sort of a daily estimate of revenue based on the numbers that it can see. So this is really, really rough. But let's have a look at this. So again, worthofweb.com, if I, if I use gps-coordinates.net is my example. So given the traffic that I talked about before, again, we're playing it really, really, really conservatively here, and we're saying it's got about half a million visits a month. According to this website here, it's got an estimated revenue per day of 221 US dollars, estimated revenue per month of $6,630, estimated revenue per year of just under 80000 So of course there are costs involved with running a website like this, but man, this is incredibly conservative. I would be surprised if it was only making this much money. So, so let's stick with these very conservative est estimates. $6,630 a month on average, just off display ads. So please remember, these are just estimates. But I think the exciting thing is here that people like us, well, we could make websites like this. And a website like this could be a business. I don't imagine there's a great deal of upkeep here. I imagine that they've found some keywords where they can see that there's traffic and build tool, tools around those keywords. I can't see any blog on this website. I can't see any writing. I can just see a bunch of tabs, each tab representing a tool. And I think this is great, right? So that in my mind, this is evergreen content. If you have a coordinates problem today, you might again have a coordinates problem in the future. You might need to convert between coordinates. You might 
be interested in finding the distance between two points. You might be interested in measuring the, the radius from a point. So this is likely to be a problem that will come again and again and again. And once you've found a solution for this problem, you'll continue to come back to a website like this to solve your problem. This is not necessarily the case with a blog post. So yeah, a blog post might attract other people. If you're writing how to X, Y, and Z in QGIS, for example, you solve that person's problem today, you might never see them again. They might never come back. You've solved the problem. Sure, there'll be new people tomorrow. There'll be new traffic tomorrow. But the thing I really like about these sort of tool-based web applications is that, again, if you have a distance problem today, you might also have a distance problem tomorrow. And I think in terms of a side hustle, this could be a really good one. So I just want to give you another example of a website like this. It's called freemaptools.com. So again, if I'm looking in my traffic report here, and we're being incredibly conservative here, it gets something like just over 200,000 visits a month of organic traffic. And I think the thing that's really interesting about this website is that it looks terrible. The user experience is terrible. The tools are outdated. A lot of them don't work. And I'm confident that somebody listening to this podcast could do a significantly better job. So this, this website, freemaptools.com, is also monetized by display ads. But if I click on the contact section of the website, it looks like they also offer custom work, custom services, bespoke solutions, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, again, I, I think people like us, we can build websites like this. This could be a great side hustle for someone. Make something that's better than gps-coordinates.net or maptools.com. So let's pretend for a second that this idea of creating content in the, in the geospatial world is appealing to you. And you think that you've got what it takes to either write engaging content, maybe create video content, perhaps you do a podcast like this. Maybe you're interested in, in creating data visualization for use in a, a social media setting. Let's say this is appealing and you think, yes, this is me. And so maybe the next question is, well, how do I find people that are willing to employ me to create content for them? I've got a few suggestions here. So start by asking yourself the question, who is spending money in this space already? So who is sponsoring conferences? Who is sponsoring events? What ads are you seeing in the Google search results or in social media? So these are signs and signals that whoever is running these ads, sponsoring these conferences or participating in these events, they understand that it's worth paying for attention. And I guess the, the thing to really focus on here is that they're already paying for it. They have a budget. They are willing to invest in increasing their reach, increasing their engagement, and increasing their discoverability. So another thing that you can do, which I think is really interesting, is go to Facebook. And if the company, organization, whatever, has a Facebook page, you can go into something called the ads library on that page, and you can see what ads they're running. So I've got an example here I want to share with you. So this is a company called Maps People. So Maps People are a Danish company, but they, they work internationally, and they're all about mapping indoors. But I think what the interesting thing here about Facebook is that I can see that they're running eight ads at the moment. So if I was looking to work with someone like Maps People, I'd go in and see if they're running ads. Okay, great. Yes, yes, they are. They're willing to spend money to be noticed. And I'm assuming that they've already tested this and understand that there is a return on investment with this. And I'd go and look at the graphics that they're using. Look at the wording that they're using. Are they? I'd click on some of these ads. Where, where are they sending me? Are they sending me to a, a sign-up page, an email page? Uh, is there a special offer? Is there a particular uh, blog post that they're sending to me? Where are they channeling my attention? And all of this stuff will give you an idea of what's important to them. 
And then you could use that information to reach out to them, say, hey, I can see that you're doing X, Y, and Z. I think I could help you with, with these three things. I think we, could, we can work together to make this better. So if it was me and I was looking to create geospatial content as a side hustle, I'd be looking for people that are already sp spending money, services and products that, that I was confident and using, familiar with, that I know, like and trust. And then I'll be doing some research around that. Are they running ads? If I visit their website, do their ads follow me around in my, in my Google searches? Do they show up on the websites that I visit? Do I see them in social media? Can I go to Facebook and look at the ads library? Are they spending money in the space already? Maybe you could use tools like Ubersuggest or Ahrefs to find out, to, to give you an understanding of what are they ranking for already in terms of organic search? Where are the opportunities? And if you compile these pieces of information, I think when you reach out to people, firstly, you have a much better understanding of who they are and what they're already doing in terms of their marketing efforts. And secondly, it'll, it'll give you an idea of the gaps. Like, where, it, where is it that I can add value? Where is it that I can contribute? If you decide this is something that you might be interested in, one of the big questions that you might have is, what do I charge? What, what is my time worth? And I think that this will change over time. Again, in the interviews that I've done with people that have been self-employed in the geospatial industry, they start off with a very conservative rate, and over time, the rate changes. Mostly, I think, as their confidence builds and as they start to understand more about the market. But one thing that you, that you can do if you're interested in geospatial content creation is go along to websites like Directions Magazine would be a good one and perhaps GIS Lounge and somewhere there you'll see an advertise with us something like that and download something called a media kit or any website in, in the geospatial world if they have a media kit download it and look at it and this will be a list of their rates so the services and products that they're offering and the cost of those and this won't be a direct correlation to what you can charge, but it's interesting, right? And so it gives you a ballpark figure of what people are paying for, for these kinds of services. So I think when we're talking about geospatial side hustles, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention a couple of these sort of freelancing platforms that are out there. Um, two that I have personal experience with are Upwork and a site called Fiverr. And I, I think these, these platforms are great for a couple of reasons. So firstly, you can go in there and in the same way we did with Etsy, get an idea of what, what it is people are selling in terms of services and products. What are they charging for them? What does their experience look like? How do they sell themselves? What, year, what words do they use? And at least with Upwork, for example, um, you can click on someone's profile and you can see how well they're doing. You can see how many hours they've worked, how many jobs they've had, what those jobs have looked like. And in some cases, even what people are paying them for. And this is incredibly interesting, I think. And I think if you click on some of the more successful profiles in here, you will, you, you, you'll see a few common traits. So here, I've just clicked on a profile of Vladimir O. He comes from the Ukraine. He has a 100% job success rate. And he is charging himself out at $80 an hour and describes himself as a GIS expert, full stack, interactive web map developer, data analyst. He has worked a total of 4,500 hours on 87 jobs. So I can go into the work history here and I can see that the last jobs that he's worked at, I can see the feedback that, that he has been given, the rating that he's received. I can also have a look at his portfolio so I can get an idea of the kinds of things that he's worked on before, what his work looks like. And this is incredibly helpful. And it, this whole thing here is, even if you don't want to participate in this platform, it gives you an idea, okay, well, what is my market value? What do I need to do to, to get to this level kind of thing? What, what are people paying for? What are they happy to pay for? Who is my competition? 
And I think when you're starting off, this kind of research can be really, really helpful. It helps you sort of set the expectations. What you'll also find, though, is that if you are looking to provide a service on something like or be a freelancer on Upwork or Fiverr, it'll feel like there's a race to the bottom. So if I go in here and type in GIS um, very quickly, I get down to people that are offering their skills and services for $15 an hour, $10 an hour. Here's a, here's a great example. A GIS analyst and spatial planner, $10 an hour, 100% job success rate, $2,000 earned on the platform. So... For some of us, this might not be enough. Again, it feels like a race to the bottom. How are you possibly going to compete with this person who's willing to sell her geospatial services for $10 an hour? So I can see a couple of answers here. Firstly, it's not all about the price per hour. So I've worked with a couple of, of different freelancers, hired a couple of different freelancers on Upwork in particular. What I found overwhelmingly is that you get what you pay for. So I am way more interested in someone who charges me a little bit more but shows up and delivers the work, someone that I can communicate with. And that is incredibly important to me because it helps me plan, it helps me schedule things. It means that I can, I'm working with people that I can rely on. So I guess what I'm trying to highlight here is it's not simply a case of who can work the cheapest. And I think the other side of this is, well, maybe this is the opportunity in itself. Maybe your side hustle is about organizing other people to do GIS work. Maybe there's a, an arbitrage here. So I've worked on Upwork, for example, as a freelancer, and I also use it to employ people, to employ freelancers. So I have kind of a unique perspective on this. And so what I'm looking for in a freelancer is someone who shows up, someone who, who does the work, someone who's easy to communicate with, someone who I can grow with. I, I'm not looking for the perfect result the first time around. I'm looking for a long-term relationship with a professional that I can trust, that, that I can grow together with. And I, I think if you're thinking about participating in on a platform like Upwork, I think that's worth bearing in mind. And as a freelancer, so this was many years ago, I worked on Upwork as a freelancer. A lot of what I did at the start was just to get experience. What is it like? And you'll find that you, your profile is way more attractive to people if you have, if you've proven that you can take a job on Upwork and do it successfully. So if you can get those first couple of jobs, and I think this is why we see people working for $5 an hour, $10 an hour. But also what's happened is that with some of the jobs, some of the freelancing gigs that I've had on Upwork, there was an opportunity to take them off the platform or that they've turned into long-term relationships. And that has been fantastic. And that's what I see now when I employ freelancers on Upwork is what I'm actually looking for is a long-term relationship. So let's say you're doing this as a side hustle, as a side gig, but in the meantime, you're looking for a full-time full employment somewhere else, perhaps in your local area. I think it's a huge opportunity just to be able to tell that potential future employer hey look in the meantime I'm not just sitting here I'm working as a freelancer here these are the things that I've done and be able to point back to your profile and say well this is the work that I've done you know I'm self-employed I'm working on this platform and I'm sure you can put a lot a lot of really fancy words around it and try and build it up a little bit I guess is what I'm saying so I, I think now might be a good time to sort of round off this conversation but I just want to remind you of the journey that we've been on so we started off talking about selling maps online how we could do that how we could hook up a a website to a print-on-demand service and and basically never have to see the product we talked a little bit about etsy as a platform and, and why you might want to visit that first before you decide to to throw yourself into making your own shop and and creating your own maps that you that you can sell online we talked a little bit about content as a service so 
The service here being content, producing content for a particular organization or company. So that could be written, it could be in video format, it could be content for social media, or it could be content in the form of a, a web map application. And of course, you could use this as a, a business for yourself, a side hustle for yourself, or you could be making this for somebody else as a way of driving traffic to whatever it is that they are doing to their website. We also talked a little bit about some of the online freelancing platforms that, that you might find inter interesting. So two of them are Upwork and Fiverr. There's a whole bunch of other ones, but, but because I have experience with those two, that's the two I, I chose to focus on. But I, I realize that there are a ton of other platforms out there that, that you might be interested in, in participating in. One of the reasons why I chose these topics for, for this podcast episode today is because you don't need to go out and fundraise for this. You, you, don't need to, you don't need venture capital to start this kind of business, this kind of side hustle. You have the means of production. You understand the software that's involved and I think you can pretty quickly figure out the platforms and there's no startup capital involved. And I, th I think this is really important. If you're going to do this, if you're going to try this, there is going to be so many other things to worry about. The last thing you need to worry about are really big upfront investments. So I'm not naive enough to believe that I have found the perfect option for you or that you are in any way, shape or form interested in any of these suggestions that, that I've mentioned on this podcast episode today. But my hope is that you'll listen to this and start seeing opportunities in other places that maybe you'll be interested enough to start exploring like how is it that this website is making money could I do the same thing is there a business opportunity in perhaps geo adjacent industries that that I could take advantage of where is it that I as a geospatial professional have an unfair advantage and I think once you get excited about looking for these opportunities and used to looking at looking for them you'll get better and better at finding them and this is actually what I'm hoping to do with this podcast episode, is help you discover these opportunities. So perhaps here at the end is a, a really good place just to offer a, a couple of, of pieces of advice. So things that I've learned throughout my journey. So the first one would be, what's working? Is there a recipe? Is there a, a process that I can see that's working in, in another industry, another domain? Something that I can simply copy and paste into my own domain, into the geospatial industry, for example, or something adjacent to the geospatial industry. So I'm always looking for signs and signals that, that something is working, that there's money to be made here. And I think it's really important to understand that it's a mistake to make something for everyone. You, you think that you're aiming at the broad audience right in the middle of the bell curve, but what you're going to end up doing is producing average stuff for average people. And people don't care about average stuff. I think it's super important to be making something for someone, not for everyone, but for someone, for a very specific someone. And the, the temptation is, or the temptation was for me when, when I started doing these kinds of, of side hustles, when I started being interested in being self-employed, the temptation was oh, that, that I can that I can pay that I can just buy my way to success. If I just had a better microphone, I would be a better podcaster. If I spend 300, 400 bucks on a better better mixer, this is going to make a significant difference to the size of the podcast audience. These are just examples, but this is really tempting because it feels like a shortcut, and it feels like you can do something here and now that's going to make a difference. When in fact, all it does is cost you money. And I think I started to think like this anyway because I got impatient because it wasn't working immediately. And what I've learned with time is that it's not supposed to work immediately. You're supposed to have time. You're supposed to grow into the role. And focusing too much on 
buying shiny toys which you think are going to make a big difference is is this is merely a distraction it's getting in the way of the actual goal of the thing that's going to make the difference to whatever side hustle it is that you're focusing on i think a really common piece of advice is this follow your passion do something that you're passionate about and i can completely understand why people say that who doesn't want to do something that they're passionate about but why not flip that on its head and be passionate about what it is that you are doing I don't think you get to show up to the market and say, hey, I am really passionate about this. Please give me money for it. I think you get to show up to the market with something that you have made and say, here, I made this. And then you get to listen because the market will tell you if it's worth something. They'll tell you what the value of that thing is and if the market wants you to make more of it. I think it's also worth considering that these, this is a long-term thing. It's unlikely that you'll be successful your first time out. So with that in mind, it's really worth considering what kinds of long-term promises you can make and keep. Now, I'm not suggesting that you, that you don't actively look for signs and signals that things are working, that you stubbornly persist in the direction that you started off in, but I am suggesting that, that this is going to take time, that you don't know which map is going to sell the best until you make it and try. You don't know which audience are going to really resonate with the work that you're doing. You don't know which kind of company you can reach out to. You don't know any of those things yet because you haven't tried it yet. And it's going to take a while to figure this stuff out. So please just be patient with yourself. So I remember when I was starting out, you know, it seemed like everybody else was this overnight success. That they started something and then, you know, it's a six-figure this and a seven-figure that. And that might well be the case. But what we know is that most businesses fail. We have way more bad ideas than we have good ideas. And that no one makes the perfect thing the first time they try it. So again, if you're starting down this path, if you're interested in creating a side hustle, perhaps becoming self-employed at some point, be patient with yourself. Actively look for signs and signals that the thing that you are doing is working. Collect these on a regular basis. Analyze them. Look at them. Is it going in the right direction? And then adjust your process, your expectations accordingly. And that's it from me. That's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in all the way to the end. I, I realize this week's episode has been slightly different to what you're used to, but if you made it this far, uh, I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, perhaps you're starting something yourself. Maybe you've got three or four side hustles on the go. Maybe you've got a lot of ideas. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear about it. I often feel like I, I work in a vacuum and it would be great to hear what other people are up to, what they're doing, what's working for them. So if you'd like to share those things with me, reach out to me. You can find me on social media. You can tweet at Mapscaping or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm most active on those two platforms or just send an email to info at mapscaping.com. I'd really love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. Bye.